Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed Today, as you listen. Today, we celebrate our teenagers because we see the future through their eyes. God has blessed them with vision through the outpouring of his spirit. And that we see in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, which is taken from our team verse for this teens week. I want to read what Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. The Bible says, young people see vision. What is vision? Vision is your ability to see. Literally, that is what a vision is, your ability to see. If they say you have vision, that is you can see. But also, vision could be your ability to think or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. That is, not just that you see. You are able to see ahead. And you are able to imagine and plan things that other people don't see. Our ability to see ahead gives the wisdom to live a separated life. If you, are not, if you don't have vision, you are not likely to live a separated life. So our team for the years, Teens Week, Restored, taken from Joel 2, 25 to 27, talks about God restoring his people. Not only does he restore them, he now gives them vision. He gives them vision. So that when they are restored, they are able to see the things that God sees. And when they see the way God sees, he gives them the grace to live a separated life. I just want to take us through a few things this morning. And the first thing I want us to talk about is who is a teenager? Who is a teenager? They describe teenagers as people who are between the ages of 13 and 19. Maybe if you have somebody in your house that is within that age, know is a teenager and he needs to be in the teen's church. Please, don't take to the adult church. Don't take to the youth's church. Send to the teen's church. There are things peculiar about them that needs to be addressed differently. And that's why we have a church for teenagers. Why are teenagers important? What is important about them? These are a group of people that are very valuable to God. And why so? One, because they are growing. They are strong. They are fit. They are in a stage where they acquire a lot of knowledge and skills. They are very malleable. And you can set them in the right direction. No wonder God used a lot of teenagers. Joseph was one. 
One of the things that God did for Joseph was first to give him vision. You know, he was a young man when God gave him vision so that he could see the future and God began to use him. David was another one. As a shepherd boy, as a little boy, God began to walk with him. So when it was time to, for him to be king, he did not acquire that strength when he was king. But as a teenager, when God began to school him in the forest, teaching him scripture, manifesting himself to him. Daniel was another one. Daniel was a teenager. He was picked up from his country as a very young man. And he was sent into exile. I don't think it was when he got to exile that Daniel developed that strength to say no. He learned it as a teenager. So when he was faced with that challenge, he could say, test us. You just give us vegetable. We'll not defile ourselves with your meal. Mary was another one. Mary as a young lady. I'm not sure by the time the angel came to her and said, you are blessed, choosing her as a young lady that was pure, that was a virgin. I don't think that happened at the point at which the angel came. It was because as a teenage girl, she kept herself pure. Timothy is another one. Titus is another one. So they are dead. They are, God uses teenagers. Those are the years that the Lord prepares instruments for use. What are the advantages of the teen years? One of them is physical strength. The Bible calls them arrows in our hands because they have strength. They have strength. Another advantage of the teenage year is that they have vision. They have vision. And I want to call that imagination. They can imagine things. They have the mind that asks questions. They challenge tradition. They challenge routine. And that's the only way that new things come. Well, for us adults, we are used to an old, our old way. They say you cannot teach a dog an old trick. You know, a new trick. You see, we were so used to what we do, but teenagers are not like that. They ask questions. They can imagine. They play with things. They change things. They flip them around. Another advantage of the teen years is that they are bold. They are risk takers. They are very equipped. Don't you wonder that your best years in sports, you always look for young people. Your best years in sport are your, your because that's when you are bold, you can take a risk. Older people, they say, I don't want to break my leg. You know, there's so many things you think about, but for them, they don't care. No matter how high the pole vault is, they look at it and they want to do it. No matter how long the distance is, they are ready to run. They are bold, they are risk takers. And apart from that, they have a tender spirit. That's one of the advantages. Their spirits are tender. They are malleable. And that's why we must not break their spirit. We must not break their spirit. Many of us have broken the spirits of our young people. We talk them down. We discourage them. No. Those are the advantages of the teen years. So for us as parents and guardians, what should we recognize? One, we should help them to build your spiritual strength. It's our responsibility. We'll be thinking, no, they are young. They are not. 
from what you can see today, they are not young. They are receptive. They can receive it. We should pray and speak over their lives. Don't break their spirit. Many teenagers have told us, my parents tell me things like, the way you are going, you are not likely to make it. Don't say that to your children. Don't break their spirit. Don't discourage them. We should pray and speak good things into their life. Protect their tender spirit. We should teach them to follow the way of the Lord. Very important. Take time to teach them. Share scriptures together. Don't pamper them. Teach them tenacity. They need to be strong. They need a strong spirit. Some of us pamper them. There are a lot of things they can do for themselves that you will not allow them to do. Some of us overprotect them. And it's not going to help. Give them life skills. Teach them how to prioritize. I would like to emphasize this. Many of us have told our children that their educational achievement is the greatest thing that can happen to them in their lives. Some of us have told them. Some of them, us, did not tell them. But the things that we do gives them that impression. What do I mean? Our children, we don't teach them to have their quiet time. They don't pray. They don't attend any of the teen services. And we don't pay attention. But we pay attention when they have lessons, when they have their homeworks. Everything educational, we pay attention to. But everything spiritual, we leave that to them. We're only teaching our children that the most important thing to you in life is that. And I can tell you, it's not life. It's not that. We say to ourselves, you know, they are so busy. Well, let me tell you something. It's never going to be easy. In life, we would always be busy. As they grow older too, they will walk. They will still have to go to church. They will attend to many things. Those are the age, that's the age where we teach them that you can combine everything. That's tenacity. How do I prioritize? How am I able to do my studies at the same time? Do, do my work with God at the same time? Pay attention to the domestics that are in my house. All of them will have to teach them at the same time. So that we don't teach them to feel that there's only one thing that is important. And lastly, as parents, let us teach them to set their directions early in life. Set their directions early in life. And I want to take that from the three nuggets that we got from our camp. I just want to share with you. Our teenagers know it. Some of them that were not at camp. And there may be you adults that did not join us. Direction. Let them set directions early in life. And the question is, where are you going? Where are you going? Because if you don't know where you are going, anybody can take you anywhere. You stand at the roadside and they say, where, you, where are you going? And you say, I don't know. Then somebody is likely to tell you, okay, I am going to the club. Do you like to go with me? 
Because you don't know where you're going. They need to set that early life. Where are you going? The Bible teaches us that there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of destruction. The Bible says it is not in the heart of a man to plan his own way. So early in life, certain direction. And what is that direction? I am going with the Lord. Key. Because if they don't set that direction early in life, they will go anywhere. And how do you set that direction early in life? One, in prompt obedience to God. Prompt obedience to parents. That's how to set directions in life. Because when you do that, you are likely to be going in the right direction. In prompt obedience to God and to parents. What other ways do you do it? You set the right direction in life when you delay gratification. What do we mean by delay gratification? There are many things in the heart of a young person that you want to do. But when you realize that there is time for everything, and you tell yourself, this is not the right time. Now, what should I be doing? I should be studying academically and God's word. That's what I should be doing. And then later in life, I can have my time to enjoy myself, to relax. But if I say now that I'm supposed to be working is when I want to play around, I'm in the wrong direction. Lastly, in setting your direction, take responsibility for your actions. You know, for young people, one of the things we don't like doing is taking responsibility for your action. Why did you do that? You want to find excuse that everybody else is at fault apart from yourself. We say things like, you know, it's my parents. If my parents had listened to me, maybe I would not have dared. It was my friend. If you live like that, you're in the wrong direction. When you are taking an action, think about it. Whatever I'm doing, I'm responsible for this decision. Nobody else is responsible for it. And when you do that, you are in the right direction. The second nugget we are thought from the camp is capacity. This is the time to build your strength. Capacity. Develop skill. You cannot be a young person and you have no skill. Apart from going to school, you must have a skill. Can you play an instrument? Are you learning a language? Are you learning some handwork? Are you coding? You must be doing something. It must not just be about me lazing around and I'm playing. No, look at David. By the time he came to King Saul, he had a skill. And what was the skill? He was craftfully playing, and that's why they brought him before the king. He said, we know a young man that knows how to play. You must develop a skill. You must develop strength of spirit. That's capacity. So that when you go out and somebody wants to talk you down, you are a strong man in your spirit. It's not possible. You must develop the strength of prayer. And lastly, you must develop your grooming. 
You know, young people think that you can look anyhow. No, you can't. Because appearance gives a lot of impression. It's part of your development to groom properly. Lastly, structure. We talked about direction, capacity, structure. Have a plan. Have a plan. Don't live a planless life. Be able to account for your time. You know, we young people are very fun. You can stay in bed from morning till 12 or 1 o'clock, then you get up. How are you going to account for all those number of, all those hours? Don't laze around. Develop habits that will build your character. You know, those, it's those habits that when you put them together, they become who you are. If you have a habit of being late all the time, you grow up to be somebody who is not reliable. That will be your character. Because we know when we say seven, we know it won't be here by nine. It's not reliable. Develop your habits that will, that will build your character. But we thank God, no matter where we have been or how you have been, Joel tells us that God restores. Maybe all the things we are talking about, you did not know about it and you haven't done that. The Bible tells us in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen, 15, it says, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it away. God recognizes it, that the young age is like foolishness. You know, I remember um, a proverb, you know, somebody told me, he said, um, childhood is like being intoxicated with wine. You know, it's, it intoxicates you. And that's why the Bible calls foolishness. But God's word has the ability to drive it away. What did God promise? God says, I will restore. Even if you have lost time, you have lost years, you have done things, God says, I will restore. Every backsliding, God will restore. But why will God restore it? He will do it if you genuinely repent. That's what that scripture tells us in Joel. When you genuinely repent, then God will restore you. Not only has God promised to restore, he said he would actually pour his spirit into you. That's what he says in the last verse of it. That's the 28th part of it. He says he will pour his spirit on you and then you will begin to see visions. You would have foresight. You'll be able to see properly. And then you can set a direction for your life. How beautiful it is as a young person if you set the right direction for your life. And then you grow up and then you don't find yourself having made so many mistakes. God says, I can heal that backsliding. I can restore you and I can bring you to a position where you are in the right direction. Why does God want to restore you? Is he restoring you for restoration's sake? No. God is restoring you so that you can be separate unto him. Just like those people who read in the scripture, Daniel, David, there was a purpose God wanted in their life. 
God is restoring you so that you can be separate unto him. Why do you need to be separate? Why do you need to be dedicated, put aside? Because God is holy. God is holy. And he will not have fellowship with anything that is not holy. The Bible says in him there is no iniquity. So God has restored you so that he can set you aside for him. First Peter 1.16 tells us, it says, Be holy for I am holy. God wants us to be holy. First John 1.5 tells us that in God there is no darkness at all. God expects you to be holy. So he has restored you and set you aside so that you can be holy. And what is the expectation of God? That as he has set you aside, that by his wisdom, you will stay away from all influences that will ruin his vision for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 tells us, he said, we should abstain from all forms of evil. Some version says all appearance of evil. You know, because we are young, we want to see, we want to experiment, we want to check out. But the Bible says wisdom is to stay away from all appearance of evil. Stay away. There was an illustration that was made during our camp meeting that I want to share with you. The minister said, you cannot fall into a well or a ditch that you are not near to. Is it possible? Can I stand here and fall into the lagoon from here? No. I need to get close to it. So some of us, while we are experimenting and we are moving towards it, that's why the Bible says, flee. Don't go near it. Don't check it out. The Bible encourages us to separate ourselves from secret sins. You know, as young people, we are worried about what our parents think. We are worried about what our teachers think in school. So while we are with them, we behave well. We do the right things. But when we are not there, when they are not there, we do other things. In our bedrooms, when we shut our doors, we do a lot of things. But I'd like to read a scripture to us. And I want us to think about it. Hebrews 4.13. Hebrews 4.13. It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. I'd like to read it again. It says, nothing, there is nothing in all creation that is hidden from God. He says, everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he says, he is the one that we will account to. So even when your parents don't see it, your teachers don't see it, 
God sees it. So we should run away from those secret things, those secret things that we indulge in. When I run to my room and nobody's there and I take my device, my phone, my whatever, and I'm watching sites that I shouldn't be. When I'm far away from home and I'm in relationships that don't please God. When I take things that my parents ought not to have advised me or the scripture says, God says everything is open. It's not only to us teenagers, even to us adults. The way people see you is not exactly the way you are. You know your heart. You know your thoughts. You know the places you go. You know what you do. You know what you think. The Bible says he's naked. He's open and God sees everything. And it is to God to whom we are accountable. So in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, in our friendships, in our association, in our commitments, we need to be separate. We need to be separate. God will restore to us all that we have lost. It could be out of sin. It could be from disobedience. It could be even from the fault of others. God says, I will restore to you. I will restore to you. And as the Lord restores to us, he expects us to begin to live a separated life unto him. We cannot be cleansed and then go back. We should separate ourselves unto God. And this morning, I'd just like us to pray, wherever you are, whatever you have lost, it doesn't matter to God. It's men that will say to you, oh, opportunity lost can never be regained. It's not true with God. He says, everything that you have lost, I will restore. Whatever you are this morning, a young person, an older person, talk to the Lord. Whatever you have lost, come to God and ask the Lord to restore. Because he said he will restore. It could be lost years. It could be lost opportunity. Whatever it is, ask that the Lord will restore to you. And as the Lord restores to you, I want you to ask the Lord also, Father, separate me unto you. That as I begin to live in this restoration, I will live a life of separation. Or maybe you're here this morning. You need to give your life to Christ. Why? Restoration only comes when people come to the Lord. You can't just be in church. Visit and don't belong to God. God restores his own children. So maybe you are here this morning and you are asking, Lord, restore me. I want to become a child of God. Wherever you are seated this morning, I just want to be restored. I have been living a life of sin. I am lost. I know it. Because the Bible says everything is open before God. You know it yourself. I'm not there. So this morning you want to make a decision. I want to pray with you this morning. As you say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. Come into my life. Make me a new creature so that I can enter this life of separation. So that I can enter this life. They'll be talking about it. I want to be a part of this separated people. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you would like somebody to pray with you. Wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Somebody will come to you. Wherever you're seated and you're telling the Lord, I want to come to you this morning. Wherever you are seated this morning, raise your hand. This is about you. It is about your life. It's not about anybody else. It's about you. It is about the God to whom you are accountable. Raise your hand wherever you are and somebody will come to you. It's a personal decision. Father, we thank you this morning. We bless you. We ask, oh God, that Lord, not only will you restore all to us, we ask, oh God, that you will separate our lives unto you. You will cause us to live lives that are pleasing to you. We thank you for our young people, especially our teenagers this morning. We thank you for the future that we see and we are grateful. Father, continue to bless them. Continue to cause them to grow in your fear and in your knowledge. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, 